Hi, what's up everybody? My name's Tyler Dunn. We're live right now on Facebook and Instagram, just trying to <clears throat> set everything up because when I went away on my, uh, my business trip this last week, which is why we're two episodes behind, I'm going to try to make up. I'm going to try to do four episodes. I don't think I've done four episodes uh, a week, but um, <clears throat> it's not going to be regular. I'm just going to try to make up the two episodes that we missed the last, uh, the last week because I didn't do two episodes because I was out of town. Monday through Wednesday. I didn't get back till late Wednesday. And then the rest of my week was kind of like messed up and I couldn't, I couldn't do the episode. So, uh, what's up, Jimmy? Well, I think Jimmy's driving right now, but, uh, I appreciate Jimmy coming on here and, and giving me some support, but all right. So we're on episode 89 and it, you know, it's, it's pretty awesome. 89 episodes of uh, goals and updates. And I've been trying, just give me one sec. It's kind of bothering me. But uh, I've been trying to, just one sec, just fix this so this doesn't fall over. All right, there we go. Uh, I had to fix that because it was going to bother me. And I, need, and I was probably going to move this, and then it was going to shift and fall over and make a big noise. But anyways, um, so I was gone for a week. I went on, I went on a, a business trip, and I went to Orlando. So I wasn't here Monday and Wednesday, but... You know, I'm gonna try to make up and do four episodes this week. So I'm gonna try to. I'm probably not gonna be able to do an episode tomorrow because of Toastmasters, unless I do it early, which is a possibility. Um, I might do one just early and just do it at like 4:30 or like 5:30, and then just do like a, a quick one and do like an hour episode right before I go to Toastmasters. And then um, I'm gonna definitely do one Wednesday, and then try to make up one on Thursday. And then if I have to, if I can't do it tomorrow, then I'll just make it up on like Saturday. Um, Saturday is probably a good one because I get out early and I just jump on this right after I get out of work on Saturday. So we'll definitely, I was going to say we're going to hit 100 episodes, but I forgot we're on 89. What's up, Sterling? But um, so we'll be really close to 100 episodes. I, I should hit 100th, the 100th episode, I, I believe. In the next, uh, it's probably gonna be like in the next two to three weeks, I'll probably hit a hundredth episode. But uh, it's been pretty cool creating the the content for this uh, this podcast. I'm gonna I'm gonna start working on tomorrow. I'm off from my main job, so I'm gonna start trying to figure out how to post the audio content. I have the software to do it. I just gotta download it and put it on uh, iTunes. I want to put it on a platform where it's audio based and not just video, and then probably try to put it on like YouTube. But at the same time, I want to do uh, some audio, um, try to get like the the last 88 episodes on iTunes or some type of audio platform. So that way when people drive, they can listen to it. And most people drive, I think, I think on average, most people drive uh, probably about like 30 minutes to get to work roughly on average. So that's 30 minutes there and 30 minutes back is an hour right there, right? So my, and most people drive, right? You constantly driving to go to the grocery store. You're constantly driving to go to class. You're constantly trying to drive uh, to go to work. So, you know, most of your, most of your life, or at least every single day you're driving at some point in the, in the day. And even if you're not driving, then you're at home probably watching YouTube or something. So, you know, some type of video platform. So the whole point is I want to try to get that up there and then promote it more. And that way it's a little bit more accessible. Uh, my, my idea on it is, I, you know, I, it's going to probably take a long time to put it on every single platform. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that on my own. So what I'm thinking about doing is just sticking to iTunes, Facebook, 
YouTube and possibly iTunes. Like I just got to figure out how to, you know, if I have to set up an account and they'll let me do it for free. If I have to subscribe, I don't really know. Like the, someone told me about hosting before. Got to do a little bit more research. I'm going to work on that tomorrow and then I'll update you guys on Wednesday um, or tomorrow if I do an episode tomorrow. But uh, that's the goal. So I'm going to stick to those, probably the, those four platforms, uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube and iTunes. That's what, that's going to be my focus for, uh, goals and updates. And that's like a, a physical goal that I'm putting in place for goals and updates. Now update you guys. So how we normally do this show, if you're new, I go and I update you guys on my life in the beginning of the show. Then I go into two topics and then I talk about done deal investments, which is my, uh, my company right now. So, and then I kind of like, we, uh, we discuss kind of, I, I guess I kind of like summarize at the end, but um, that's normally how we do it. I do updates of myself. I then go into the two topics, which today's topics are urgency is key response. And the second one is responsibilities create the real you. And then we'll talk about done deal investments. So my updates for, it's been, you know, it's been crazy cause I probably haven't talked to you guys in about a week and a half roughly. So I have a lot of updates, so it's gonna, you know, it's probably gonna be a good 20, 25 minutes of updates, but the, the first update was I went on a business trip, as I, I stated in, in the beginning of the show, and I went and went to Orlando, uh, went and crashed at, at my friend's house or whatever, and then I went to um, a Trump rally. Now, for some people, like automatically, oh, many went to the Trump rally are probably going to hate me. But, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I can't, I, you know, that's, that's you. But um, the reason I wanted to go... Uh, the story behind it is uh, one time I was at a restaurant with my mom and her friends and we were talking a little bit about, uh, interest, uh, interestingly enough, uh, politics a little bit. And we didn't really talk too much about politics, but we were talking a little bit about like, uh, he was talking to me about the podcast that I'm doing. And he was like, you know, you want to be careful. He's giving me different um, scenarios of uh, ideas to hold my videos because he's like, you're on Facebook and you're on Instagram. And he's like, you're, um, most of the, the platforms are very like, they're very sensitive. And he's like, it's sometimes they'll, they'll erase your content for no reason. And he's like, you wouldn't want to store it and hold it for yourself. And he's like, you don't want to probably put it in more places than just iTunes and Facebook. And he's the one that actually gave me the tip on moving the microphone. Cause he's like, and he's like, I, I, I love your content. He's like, I like the shows. But he's like, the microphone is always in front of your face and it's kind of weird. He's like, you want to see, uh, you want to move it to the side or put it in front of you, but below your mouth. And that way people can see you talking and it'll actually give it more of a, um, a lively presentation effect. At the same time, it looks better because people can see what you're saying. And he said, it's kind of weird sometimes when like, you can hear yourself, but you can't see what you're saying because the microphone's so close to your face and, and so close into the shot. So that's what I did. So it actually worked out pretty well. Um, that was something I was thinking about for a while too. I'm like, you know, I kind of put it close. I don't know if I should or shouldn't move it. Um, but he was probably like the first, uh, probably the second person that actually gave me real tips on how to improve the show, which I was very, very grateful on. But um, but the whole idea of this story is uh, the Trump rally. But um, so what happened was, you know, I got in my car and I got an email and the email was uh, uh, from the Trump penance uh, I don't know whoever, whoever runs his email list or whatever. And it said, you know, like he's coming into town in Orlando and you can get two free tickets. And off the back of my head, I'm like, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of ironic that I'm getting this right now after I just talked about politics. We talked a little bit about policies and stuff like that. And I was like, you know, 
uh, like I, I do, you know, I am a, I am a, um, in a sense, a, a, a Trump supporter in the sense, cause I'm very, very, I consider myself very conservative. Like I tell people all the time, like if I had to physically put a percentage on how conservative I am, it would probably be like 95% conservative. Right. So I'm, I, I classify myself as a pretty high, um, you know, as a, as a pretty conservative type person, politically speaking. But uh, the point that I'm trying to make here is um, I, I thought it was an opportunity. And I'm like, you know, it's kind of weird how I'm getting this. I'm like, it'll give me an excuse to go see my, one of my very, very like amazing friends that I consider family. And I'm, and I'm like, you know, it's going to give me an excuse to go see him and hang out with him. Uh, Cause he always comes down here to South Florida, Coral Springs and I don't really go up there a lot. So I'm like, it'll be an excuse to go see my best friend. I'll make it a business trip where I can go and bring business cards and hand out business cards and make it a business trip. I'll experience a new experience that is going to put me a little bit out of my comfort zone. Because right off the bat, you know, you're thinking about protesters. Like the first thing I thought when I was going to go to this Trump rally was there's going to be protesters everywhere. They're going to, they're going to like yell like racist stuff at us and stuff. Um, I just, that's what I, that's what I thought was going to happen when I went to this Trump rally. And I thought like we were just going to get protested out. Um, not like the whole rally itself, but like we're going to, me and my friend, we're going to have to go in and there's going to be all these protesters that are screaming like bigot and, and, and white supremacy or I don't know, like crazy stuff that's going on politically right now. And it was, you know, far from the truth of what happened. I'm going to, I'm going to go into details in a minute, but um, so that was like a big thing too. I wanted to get put out of my comfort zone. So that's why I wanted to go to this as well. And at the same time, you know, I just wanted to experience what it was like being in an atmosphere where people agree with you, right? Because most people that are, are probably Democrat are not going to go to a, an invention, um, convention kind of like, I call it a convention, but they call it a rally, same difference. But um, I knew like that wasn't going to be there. I was going to find more people that were like-minded like myself. And that's what I'm always trying to do is trying to find some more, um, more people that are kind of like-minded like myself. It's very hard down here where I'm at, but, um, so that's why I did that as well. But, um, going to that, and by the way, I was able to write off like probably like 90% of the stuff that I did there, I was able to write off as a business expense. So I'm like, yeah, that's another plus, right? Uh, I'll be able to do it as a business expense and it'll basically give some credibility like for the, for my business as well. So I'm like, I'll, I'll go do that. So there's like a lot of reasons why I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go do this. But when I went to the Trump rally, I thought it was going to be way different than what it was. I was expecting protesters. I was expecting people um, to be yelling at each other. I was expecting only, you know, I knew there was obviously conservatives that were, you know, black conservatives, Spanish conservatives. Um, you know, it wasn't just white people that were supporting him. I mean, more than half the country has to vote uh, a president into the, in, in, as the United States uh, president, right? Like you have to be voted in. So I knew like, obviously there's black conservatives, there's Spanish conservatives, but I, I thought it was going to be probably a lot more white people than what I expected when I went there. Um, but the, the craziest part was we, we show up, right? We park, we walk and we walked. Uh, it was a long walk to just get into. Um, it was at a I'm trying to think of the center that it was at. Um, can't think of the name of the center, but when we first walked in, just massive crowds of people trying to, to get to this event. Now, I saw two people. I'm just going to break down uh, what, what happened when we got there. But I saw two people where there's one girl that looked like she was about 12 or 14. And 
She was walking away from the crowd and she had a sign tucked under her arm and it said, uh, Trump locks up kids. So she's kind of hinting towards the policy that was going on for a while where um, uh, Trump was cracking down on illegal immigration. He was using ICE and supposedly uh, they were separating mothers and the parents from the kids, basically. And so the left is basically using that as a crutch. You know, you get we talk about this policy all day, but that was basically what she was referring to. Now, the other thing I saw, too, was a truck with a light. It was like a light and it was like impeach, uh, impeach Trump 2020, right? Cause 2020 is the, is the race that he's going to, that's, that was the whole point of the rally, by the way, is he was going to basically say that he's re rerunning into the race for another four years as, uh, as his second term. So that was what this rally was really for. And so this one person in the, in the truck went around with, uh, like, a big lit up sign and it would, and it would just come up and it would say impeach Trump 2020. Right. Those are the only two things that I saw at this rally that was like a, like protesting after that, I didn't see anything else. So I don't know if they, I don't really know why. I don't know if we got there kind of late cause we got there at eight. And I think it started way before that, but at eight is when they introduced the, the president, um, president Donald, Donald J Trump. And that's, that's why we went at eight. I didn't really care too much for the beginning stuff. I kind of wanted to see his speech and I wanted to see, uh, the vice president, Mike Pence. And that's really why, you know, I wanted to, to go to this rally. I wanted to see those two figures kind of really speak. But anyways, so we walk into, um, we walk into the center. I really, I honestly forgot what the, the center was called. It's where the, the magic Orlando um, basketball team plays at. I can't think of it. it's like the Ampha center or something like that. Um, I, I honestly, I don't remember what the center was called, but walk into the center massive amounts of people. All right. We go and we sit down. We're like, we're like behind the podium where they speak, where you can kind of see them pretty crystal clear, but you're pretty high up. Like by the time we got there, a lot of the seats were filled out. I think it was pretty much like a first come first serve. I'm sure people were there for hours on end. Uh, it wasn't called the orange bull. I don't believe it's like the, it's like the Ampa Ampa center or something like that. Excuse me. But, um, I'll look it up later and I'll, and I'll announce it somewhere. But the the point is um, we're in there and I'm sitting down and I'm thinking, you know, I'm looking around. I'm very, I'm a very observant person. I'm looking around and the, to my amazement, I was actually kind of amazed, even though I'm not amazed that, you know, there's a lot of uh, different races that support, you know, Donald Trump. And, and I, and I know the news is kind of lying to you, but when I sat down, I, I saw a lot of black conservatives. And by the way, before we even got in there, all the people that were selling the merchandise for tw- uh, for Trump, Trump 2020 or four more years Trump were all black people. Now, I'm telling you about 90% of the people that were selling the Trump stuff were black people. Now, I don't know if they're just selling it to make money and they figure, okay, like these people are going to buy it, Right. And we'll make money off of the, you know, the name Trump basically, or the president, or if they actually really did support Trump. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it was both a little bit of both, or if it, you know, was one, one angle on it, but that's what I noticed. It was 90% of the people selling the merchandise were black people. Um, and maybe 10% were white or like a different race, but it was majority like black people that were trying to sell you Trump merchandise as you were walking through the crowd. Now, which is, you know, and the reason I bring that up is because most of the time you hear from the left that, you know, uh, Trump's a racist, that black voters don't support Trump, that 
uh, uh, minorities don't support Trump, but 90% of the merchandise sold there were sold by black people. All right. Now, the second thing that I noticed, now we're sitting down, and I noticed how, how diverse the audience was in front of me. Now, I'm not going to tell you it wasn't majority white because I would say if you had to go demographically, the like majority and, major, and uh, minority, right? It would have been majority white, but a lot of blacks, I'd say blacks were probably the, the, um, the second dominant uh, demographic there. Then I'd probably say Spanish, and then I'd say Asian. Now, I'm telling you, I've, I saw about um, obviously a little bit more white people there, but I saw a lot of blacks, I saw a lot of Spanish people, and I saw a lot of Asians. So he had a very, very diverse audience that was there for his rally speech, all right? And he filled up the arena, all right? Now, I, I don't know how many people that arena, like, seats or holds, but if I had to guess, I mean, it was probably about twenty to 30,000 people if I had to just estimate and uh, like filled out the whole entire stadium, like no joke. And that's not even considering there's probably people outside watching it on the Jumbotron outside that probably couldn't get in or uh, they, they ran out of seats or whatever. But the point that I'm trying to make to you is that <clears throat> I'm sure the media covered it and said it wasn't that diverse, wasn't X, Y, and Z. And the reason I'm telling you this is because uh, it proved to me, even though I know, like I know physically that the news is not going to tell you the truth. Uh, it's based on a business that needs to tell you negativity. Um, it's controlled by one political spectrum, whether you believe that or not. I mean, that's just the, the cold hearted fact. Um, you know, the one side controls a lot of different elements that the other side does not control. Uh, speaking, you know, college, universities, um, they control a lot of, uh, celebrities. Hollywood is mainly, uh, left wing. They control a lot of the news outlets. And that's, and that's the most scariest part is because, uh, they're controlling what you're listening to every single day. So, you know, that's where you hear all these political statements and stuff like that. It's, you know, coming from one side majority of the time now. Um, and the other scary part too, is they're controlling your university. So they're influencing the young. And that's why you tend to see, and, and you know, you can have the debate with me uh, later on, but the the truth is like they're attacking the youth for a reason. And that's why you see a lot of um, millennials or youth that support left-wing ideology is because the universities have in, in place that upon the youth and stuff. But, um, and that's why you tend to see when the youth gets older and older and over and they start paying taxes, they start... Uh, reading more about history. They start learning about different things of um, the culture of the United States. Uh, they tend to go more right, or they tend to go middle independent, or they mostly go, you know, I don't want to say mostly go to the right, but majority of the time they either fall in the middle or they go right when they get older. Because uh, they start seeing that uh, the government can't solve the problems. They see that, you know, a lot of the things they were told were lies. And, and, that, and, you know, that should, that should be a wake up call for a lot of the youth. But unfortunately, you know, um, a lot of things that you see is controlled by one side. So most people don't understand that. Now, that's why I kind of told you that, but it was business related um, a little bit. You know, I kind of wanted to do it for myself, obviously, you know, I, you know, I am conservative. So that's why I wanted to do it. But I also wanted to talk about it because um, the, the point is the reason I really wanted to talk about it was because, uh, you know, it kind of shocked me. Uh, someone that's very, very conservative or right wing, it even shocked me going to that rally. 
uh, and seeing like Mike Pence talk and Trump talk. And um, I've gone over this speech because I couldn't see him face to face. So I couldn't see his face, you know, his facial expressions or anything like that. I just heard what he said over the microphone. But, you know, I, I haven't seen the whole um, the whole video on his actual speech, but I'm definitely going to go back and watch the rest of it. But I watched about half of it. And it's pretty interesting how I was, you know, there and it actually looked different on the video compared to when I was there. Right. Um, because the the new, you know, it, uh, well, I kind of jumbled up my words, but depending on what station you're watching it on, because there's every news outlet there, obviously, because the president's, you know, announcing that he's going to rerun for a reelection. Uh, so you have, you know, like CNN there, Fox, uh, MSNBC. Um, I'm trying to think of the other ones. But yeah, so you'll be ABC. I think it's ABC, right? Yeah, a ABC. So you'll have a bunch of different, you know, news channels there. So whatever you're watching it on, you know, they're probably going to have uh, some type of um, commentary on it and stuff like that. So it just depends. Like everything's kind of different on each news platform or channel or um, yeah, channel. But uh, it's just interesting when I went there, you know, I wanted to give you my, my opinion on that. Now, some other things that I wanted to update you guys on was uh, I had this pretty, I had this pretty cool experience today where um, this person I've, I've, I've seen her around a lot at my job, but I've never, you know, talked to her or worked with her and my job right now, what I do in the mornings is I go and I call for these W nines and I, and I work with service providers and I guess, you know, when I leave the voicemail, I go, hey, email me here or call authorizations, depending on what issue it is. And when I do the, when I send my email, it goes to, um, they normally call authorizations. I don't have like, I don't give out my direct line for, you know, the fact that I do a lot of other work. And then if I have to keep on answering the phone, it'll, it's going to kill my productivity level. Like today, this, they, they directed this one lady to me. And it just, I know it's probably, it screwed up my whole thing because I, I didn't hit off phone when I answered the call because uh, I, you know, I just figured I'd take the call and I ended up talking with the lady probably for like 30 minutes about the W9. So, you know, it's definitely going to throw me off on my time production and uh, I can't add it because um, my boss physically can't add on off phone time. She can only take off phone time, which I think is, you know, kind of stupid, but uh, you know, it doesn't matter what I think it, it is what it is. But anyways, um, so they, they kind of transfer the line or they, they, they try to get it, the information back to me. Cause like, I'll put a note in and I'll be like, Hey, I talked to Jennifer from, uh, cooling and heating and um, I requested a W nine form and I requested this invoice. And so what happened today was this one girl linked me and sent me a chat and she's like, Hey, I'm talking to this person because you requested a W nine form. And she, she's like, um, well, the funny thing is she actually sent me the, the service job number, which is like, just so I can get into the job at our, in, inside of her server. And then she, and then as soon as I went to like reply to it, she walked over and she was like, Hey, and I was like, Oh, Hey, what's up? And she's like, Hey, I just sent you that message. She's like, um, the service provider, or whatever sent me the W nine form. I, you know, I can't, I'm trying to attach it. Like, I don't really know what to do with it. Like, what do I do with it? And I'm like, well, I'm like, just email it to me and I'll do all the work. I'm like, I appreciate you taking, you know, taking the call or however they contacted you and you're giving me the information and you're, and you're working with me. I appreciate that. And she's like, yeah, she's like, no problem. So then she goes over uh, and she went to walk away. And of course, uh, my, uh, my one boss that that's there was basically like, Oh, like you got to send it to submission, like all this confusing information. I never understand why 
um, she does it the way like she presents information. But, you know, sometimes people are different. But the way she presented it, I'm like, oh, she just confused the hell out of this person because like I'm confused and I know the process. Right. So I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm like, it's all good. Like I was talking to my manager um, at the same time. The the one person was there. I'm like, it's all it's it, hey, it's all good. I'm like, technically, that's what you should do. But I'm like, you can send it to me through email and I'll do it. And I'm like, if you have any questions next time, you could always ask me, you know, I'll help you out. And, you know, I just appreciate like you helping me out. And she's like, yeah, no problem. She's like, I'll email it to you right now. So emails it to me. And she's like, you know, um, I tried to attach to the job, couldn't change the PDF. You know, I couldn't change the the format of it to get it to post into the server. And I'm like, oh, no problem. I did all that. I sent it to the, the proper department. And I'm just like, you know, I just appreciate you helping me out. Um, and the reason, by the way, I'm doing that, like I'm going so far out of my way to go, hey, I appreciate you working with me. I, hey, I appreciate you trying to help me out is because um, a lot of people there don't want to work. So that's why they try to they try to send send ju- they just send information to me and they don't tell me what it is. Um, and that and that's a big problem in, in that organization or that corporation of a company is a lot of people that don't want to work. So they just kind of they're like, oh, this isn't my job. Like, I'm not going to do this. And so they just throw it to the next person and it delays. And I know that if I have a personal relationship with that person, like uh, the, the, the girl that did that, where she, um, she sent me the, the files and said, hey, I kind of need help with this X, Y, and Z. Um, I know like if I go and I think her and I go, hey man, you didn't have to do that, but thank you so much for trying to uh, help me out and, and post that. It's gonna form a relationship with her. She's gonna she's gonna be like, oh, he appreciates it, and she's gonna work with me more. And th- and that's what I wanted was, um, I I wanted her to feel comfortable to ask me questions. Hey, this person's asking for this, and I I want more of a team structure. So I know if I compliment her and be like, like, hey, like, thank you so much for that. And like, I generally do mean that, by the way, because like I said, most people aren't gonna do that. So I did appreciate it a lot that she did it. Um, but the reason I'm telling you is because it was kind of a learning experience for me as well, because I'm like, Oh yeah. Like it just clicked. Like it just clicked for me to do that. I didn't really have to think too much on it. I was just like, Oh, I'm going to do this because this will form a good co uh, a co relationship with this person and we'll be better at working on teams. Mindless to say she's in a different department. She's not in the same department. It's not, you know, her job is to answer service providers and make sure they get the estimates and approval and all that stuff. But she's in a different department. So if I can link up with different people in different departments, I can get work moved faster. I can work with that person and we can work together to get work moved faster or work as a team instead of just, you know, throwing it back and forth to each other and just going, I don't know who this person is. I don't care. Right. And that's the biggest issue I've realized at this company is the departments do not work well together. Um, and it's not just at this corporation. It was at my last job. It's it's most corporation-built companies, uh, their their departments don't work well together. The communication is normally out of whack uh, because, um, you know, this department's all the way over here. And this department's, you know, at Broward College, it was a little bit different because the departments weren't held really so much on, under the same roof as this department or this corporation that I'm working for, everything's in segments in the same exact room or the same building. At my other job, there was uh, there was departments that were in Fort Lauderdale, co- companies that were in South Florida, North Florida, um, you know, Central Florida, like in you know, obviously not so far away, but you had to travel a good a good minute to go to those departments 
Um, and most of them were on central campus, but what would happen is those departments would just send you stuff through email and go, Hey, I was heard that you handle this and here, here's the work. And you'd be like, I don't know what to do with this. Like, what is this? And so you had to contact them. You had to get all the information. Um, and it was just sloppy and it, it delayed. And that's kind of what this company does too. Sometimes is, um, the, the cooperation uh, or the communication between the departments is not good. So that's why I did that. And I wanted to share that with you because, um, that's me kind of telling you, like, you know, I, I am applying what I'm telling you, like, uh, and like I said, it was, it was like a normal reaction to do that. It wasn't, it wasn't something where I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this to like trick this person. It was, oh yeah, you know, I thank you so much for helping me. Like, it's just a natural thing that I've built in myself where I'm like, yeah, I'm generally happy to work with you. Even though I don't know you, uh, you could be a crazy psychotic person. I'm glad you're working with me at, and you know, in this company and we got to work together. And that's my mentality with everyone. Like, I don't, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the meanest person there. I'm going to treat you the same respect as I treat the next person next to me. And, um, you know, the, 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 the good people will understand that and the bad people will under, you know, never understand that. But you know, that, and that's how you kind of, um, deescalate any, um, any type of fusion or any type of anger among, among, uh, among each other is by doing that, by complimenting each other, being like, Hey, I appreciate that. Next time I'll show you this or, um, and so on and so forth. And she was really grateful. Like through the chat, I was like, Oh, awesome. Right. She was really happy. Like, cause I'm sure no one tells her that I'm sure no one goes, Hey, appreciate it so much for you sending that to me. Thank you. I'm sure no one says that people probably just go, Oh, thanks for sending this to me. Peace. Right. So <clears throat> that's why I was updating you on that. Um, all right, so there was another issue at my job too where I was late last week. And th and it was my fault. I'm not like, you know, I'm not going to tell you it wasn't my fault. I was about like 6 minutes late. I was trying to go. I should have stopped at the Dunkin Donuts closer to my house, but what I figured I would do is hit the highway uh and then get off over in Sunrise and just go to the closest Dunkin Donuts there. Well, you know, I didn't know the closest Dunkin Donuts was like f uh 4 or 5 miles down the road and I hit like I hit like, I hit like four or five, uh, four or five lights and it slowed me down. I ended up being like six minutes late. And when you're late, you're supposed to call this command center. And I normally do do it, but it was a Saturday. I'm like, you know, the command, I don't really want to call the command center. It's only six minutes late. Um, in my time, I, I clock in almost every single day, two minutes early. And I'm like, it'll balance, uh, it'll balance, uh, the six minutes being laid out. And I'm like, I'm not, uh, you know, my manager's not in. There's no managers on the floor. I'm like, it's it's probably stupid for me to call on a Saturday. I'm just a couple minutes late, like whatever. Uh, well, you know, a week or two later uh, today, my manager uh, sends me an email. And she's like, hey, I noticed you were like six minutes late that one Saturday. And she's like, I have no record of you calling it in, no record of telling me. And, and she's like, um, you know, next time just call it into the command center or, you know, and like, she's like, you kind of have to do that. Uh, and, and I'm just like, okay, I understand. Like, you know, my fault, I'll call next time. Um, but you know, it's a live and learn situation, right? Like I, I kind of knew I was supposed to do that, but in my mind, you know, I didn't want to do that. And sometimes that happens, right? Sometimes, uh, you, you, you're going to go through something where you know you should do it and you just don't do it. Um, and you might think it's stupid, but you know, if, if that's what she wants, that's what she's going to get. Right. So I'm going to, you know, call in that command center, uh, you know, mental note. Now I'm going to call into that command center. Anytime that this, uh, this incident happens where I'm late and I do do it. I mean, I was late for this one time. 
on um there's a massive massive accident on the sawgrass and i ended up going and i was like 18 minutes late and i called it in contacted my manager i uh, did all that stuff and you know whatever marked it 18 minutes late and i just stayed 18 minutes um later than 6 30 right so i got out of like i think like 6 48 or something like that and you know and no big deal right but they, they want to do that so they can track you you know it's all about tracking at this company which I understand to an extent, but it, it's so extreme that it's crazy. It really, it really is crazy. But anyways, you know, that's a, that's a company I'm working for. But uh, so we did the business trip, told you about the two items, Trump rally we talked about. All right. So the other thing too, I got two more updates. We'll go into these two topics. But uh, so the other thing that I kind of, you know, updating you guys on is um, it's pretty cool. I went to a bar last time with my, my friends three days ago, four days ago. And the per and uh, we're all hanging out or whatever, and it, it's so cool because you know I'll, I'll go in, I'll see someone, like I'll see one of their family members or or whatever. Like uh, we went to the bar and we were with their aunt or whatever, and and their aunt was asking me questions about the done deal investments in the post, and she was talking about um, the goals and updates podcast, and she was like, she's like, it's so cool that you're on episode eighty eight of goals and updates, and she's like, um you know, when are you going to do your next episode? Like she was like psyched on getting to the next episode. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to try to do on Sunday, which didn't happen, but I'm like, I'm going to try to do on Sunday. And if not, you know, I'm going to try to do like a makeup week and do four. And the, the cool thing was that she was very excited for me, right. Uh, to do the episodes. But at the same time, the cool thing that I'm trying to, to tell you is it's kind of cool how I'm going out and I'm, and I'm just going out for a drink or I'm going out and, and hanging out with old friends from high school or I'm going out and hanging out with uh, someone and they go, hey, I saw your episode of uh, episode 87 of Goals and Updates or I saw this and, um, you know, it, and I, I'm, I can't wait for the next episode or, you know, I was intrigued by when you were talking about this. And that's what's really, really cool that I'm starting to notice is that people are watching and I don't know how long they watch it. I'm sure they don't watch, you know, who knows? I don't know if they watch it for an hour and a half, um, my normal times, but you know, I'm sure if I get it to that audio status where I can get it up and it's just audio, more people would probably listen to it and give me more feedback on it. They'd probably have more time to listen than watch, but it's just cool. Like I went to my cousins like last, you know, a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago. And he was like, Hey, it's pretty awesome that you're putting these featured people on. It's kind of almost like a Joe Rogan, you know, compared me to Joe Rogan's podcast which I, you know, I kind of, I, I guess it kind of is more like a Joe Rogan when I do the features or the co-hosting because, um, I, I like to do it where I you know, kind of interview that person in the beginning of it. And then I go, we pick two topics we can talk about. And then after that, it's just kind of like whatever that person wants to talk about. That person wants to talk about politics. They want to talk about an issue they're having in their life. Uh, they want to talk about, you know, they're trying to go for a potential job interview. Whatever they want to talk about is, is what I want to talk about, right? Because I want them to be comfortable the only way they can be comfortable on the mic is if we talk about what they're, uh, com- you know, what they know about and what they're comfortable talking about. So that's why I do that. But it's also, it, it leads into very, very interesting conversations because we talk about random stuff. I had the, my one high school friend, uh, Fabrizio on here and we talked about politics. We talked about women. We talked about, uh, you know, a bunch of different stuff. I think we, uh, we even wrapped on here for a little bit. I don't know if I was any good, but you know, I attempted um, but you know, that's the coolest part. I'm going to try to get more people. The next person I'm really, really focused on is like I said, a couple episodes back is my friend Riker. He is a very, very, very good story. 
um, about, you know, you went through some traumatic uh, situations and, you know, pulled through uh, when, you know, it was, and it was, it was a crazy, crazy um, thing that happened to him, which, um, you know, you'll hear about when he, when he comes on the show, I'm going to work on actually, I'm going to hit him up after this, but uh, that, that, that's that, right? So I try, I'm going to try to get some more features on here as well. I'm trying to think what else. Um, so that's the, so that's the interesting part of that. The reason I brought all that stuff up was I'm just noticing people are coming to me and they're like, Hey, I can't believe you're on episode uh, 88 and you're almost at a hundred, a hundredth episode. And like, you're actually really doing it. And I'm like, yeah, man, like, what do you like about it? And they tell me, and, I, and it's just, it, it's a, it's a very, very amazing, incredible feeling where, uh, you know, you're, you're producing content. Um, and you know, sometimes, you know, I kind of doubt, uh, doubt myself because it's, it's human nature to doubt yourself. And, you know, I don't have a big audience right now. I probably only have, you know, and, and it's all local people. It's not, I haven't spread where I'm getting, um, you know, international viewers or I'm getting a crazy high counted number of viewers. It's just internally. Cause I'm just using Instagram and Facebook, excuse me. And, um, you know, I'm just using Instagram and Facebook. So I'm only getting internal people that I really know. And that's why if I go to iTunes or I go to YouTube, I'll kind of branch out and maybe get a bigger audience. And that's really what I'm going to aim for is to get more of an audience base. Now, uh, the last thing I'm going to update you guys on, and we'll get into these topics is, um, I went over the same, my same friend's house. Uh, not, not his house. It's, uh, their sister's house. All right. And the, the coolest thing is when I go there, I like talking to their dad. And the reason I like talking to their dad is uh, they're, they're from Greece. And he talks, he talks to me about different things that um, are different in Greece and that are different in Greece from the United States. And I haven't really traveled a lot around the world. I've only, I think the closest I've gotten out of the country, I think was Canada. And I didn't really go into Canada. I was on Niagara Falls on the Canadian side. So I did cross the border onto to Canada, but I only went to the very, very border end and didn't really go too far into Canada. So I haven't really traveled outside the United States before. And, it, and you know, it's kind of interesting when people talk about when they used to live in like the Dominican Republic or they used to live in Cuba or um, my well, the, one, the one person we were talking about, Fabrizio is from Peru. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of, it, it is interesting when I talk to people and I sit down with them and, and we talk about the difference between countries. We talk about the difference between politics and stuff. And the coolest part was when I was over there, uh, their father was, was basically telling me about the history of Greece. And it was kind of like the first time where, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've sat down with them and talked to them before, but it was one of the first times I actually got to sit down with him and he physically talked, talked to me for a good amount of time. And I was getting, I was getting, you know, a little bit deeper into the mindset of what, um, you know, his beliefs and, and what he thinks is uh, better in Greece compared to the United States. And we were just talking about a lot of different stuff um, involving Greece and the history of Greece and just, you know, what the differences really are between the country or the two countries and that's what really intrigues me. And that's what I was telling him. I was like, you know, it's really interesting when you're talking about all this stuff about Greece. Cause I'm like, I just really know the history of the United States. I don't really know too much about any other country. And I'm like, Greece is a very, very fascinating country. And I was telling him, I, I remember just going into history class and learning about like the Trojan, uh, the Trojan horse and like different things like the Spartans and just different aspects of, uh, of Greece that, you know, are probably very, very minor 
compared to what he can tell me, but, um, you know, just really, really cool elements of, of, you know, the history of Greece. And it was kind of funny because when I left, you know, I said goodbye to him and, and he was like, Hey, when, when we come back from our trip is, uh, he owns a business and they travel and they do, um, like flooring and different, different stuff. Mostly I think tiling and stuff, but they travel to different States in the United States and they do business for different people. So, uh, the cool part about it was he was like, Hey, uh, when you come, when I come back, he's like, we're going to talk more about the history of Greece. Right. And I was like, you already know it. Like I'm ready. You got my, you got my interest. Right. So, you know, and, and I think that's also why like a lot of people, I, I could just relate to different people because, um, I'll, I'll listen to you. Right. I don't, I don't judge people when I talk to them. I listen to them. I was having a conversation the other day, uh, with, uh, uh, the same, you know, same family, but my friend Costa. And when I was talking to him, we were kind of talking a little bit about politics and I'm trying to think of the issue that we were talking about. Uh, what was the issue that he was talking about? Um, trying to think of, uh, oh, I was talking about, uh, it might not have really been too, it kind of is a little bit political, but it's kind of not. But um, I was talking about how I don't really believe too much in equality. Now, when you hear that, it sounds really bad. I'm not talking about the fact that everyone's not human and everyone's not equal in the sense that we're all human. Um, my my perception on equality is that uh, you're taught about equality, you know, through your whole entire school career. You're talked about it in the workplace. Uh, just in general, society is always trying to tell you that equality, equality, equality. And the fact and the fact is that we're not all built the same. We're we're, we're all different. And what I mean by that, like I said before, is I'm not talking about that we're all not human and we're not we're not equal in the sense of uh, being human. I'm talking about like, uh, for me, I have a different skill set than my neighbor or I have a different skill set than my friends or my family. We all have different skills. And if you take, let's say, like um, an element like business, right? Business really talks about taking someone's skills, right? Like this person might be really good on the phone sales. And this person might be really good at answering emails, right? So they take the two different skills and put those people that are good in the skills in that business atmosphere. And those people, you know, and that's how amazing uh, businesses are formed because you're taking people with sk different skill sets that are very, very good at something um, and putting them in that element where they fit. And, you know, I, that, that's kind of what I believe. And the same thing with like, you know, you could, you could take anything and be like, hey, like this is different from this person. Like, uh, someone could be, uh, someone could have different athletic abilities than me, right? Or anyone else. Like everyone that take the NFL, right? NFL. There's hundreds of people that play in the NFL. Probably, you know, uh, probably could argue thousands, right? And each individual person is probably better at some type of skill athletically in football than the other person. Take medical for instance. Everyone is different. You know, elderly people have more of a. Uh, Elderly people have, you know, probably more health conditions than the youth, right? Youth is probably not going to have as much health issues than elderly. And if you're in the middle, if you're like halfway, 50, 40, you're probably going to have probably more medical issues than the youth. But my point, and then you might even have different issues. People die from different things, right? Uh, so my point about the whole entire thing is that it, everything is different. Everything is not the same. And, um, you know, that's kind of what I wanted to do a speech on was, uh, you know, the environment or society is always saying that everyone has to be the same. You hear it all the time. Men and women have to be the same. 
uh, this job should be the same. This salary for this job should get paid the same as a different salary for a different job. This company should be forced to do this. And my point on it is that, you know, why? Everything's different. Everything is not the same. Everything is not built in the same structure. It's not built in the same environment. It's not, you know, you have different states that have different environments. Everything is different. Right. And that's the, and that's what, you know, I've been trying to, you know, I was kind of debating with my friend on which, and he was like, I'll disagree with you. Um, you know, it's perfectly fine. I mean, you had a drink over it and it was all good. You know, most people can't handle that, but, um, you know, I told him, you know, I'll disagree to disagree with you. And I'm, per I'm perfectly fine with that. If you don't change my mind and I, and I don't change your mind. Um, but you know, the important thing is we're having the conversation and we're not, we're not like beating each other up. We're, we're just okay with it. Like, um, but the, the crazy part is talking to my, my one friend on, on different issues. Um, like I told him, I'm like, you know, we kind of align almost like he considers himself more of an independent. And the, the crazy part is most people I talk to do tend to say they're independent. They don't pick a side. Um, but when you talk to them about policies, they do tend to lean more to the right, right. On certain, on a lot of the issues, actually, they tend to lean more to the right. They just don't realize it. They get a lot of the information mixed up when I talk to them. And the funny thing with it is, um, you know, I told them, I'm like, it doesn't really matter if you disagree with me. I mean, like, we're basically like 99% on the same page with like uh, more than half the stuff I talk about. And I'm like, you know, it's okay. You know, we're not going to match on everything. But, um, and it's kind of an ideology. Like, I, it's it's just a theory. Like I told him, I can't, I can't, I can't really physically get data and show that to you. I, It's just kind of a theory, right? It's like a theory that, you know, I can give you examples on, but I can't really, you know, pull data and show you that, you know, I'm right or wrong. Uh, it's just a theory that I've just, you know, picked up on when I was, uh, you know, paying attention to my surroundings for 23 years. Right. Um, but so that's that, uh, I'm trying to think of any other updates. I think that's all the updates I have. Uh, we're about almost 50 minutes in, so I'm going to go to the topic. So the first topic we're going to talk about is urgency is key or is the key. I think I wrote, wrote it as in Facebook, but uh, urgency is probably the most uh, useful element if you can learn how to to kind of harness urgency. I sometimes uh, lack urgency. I'm not going to lie to you. I do sometimes, uh, you know, for the most part, I'd probably say 70 to 75% of the time, I do do pretty well with urgency because I've been trying to develop this skill where, <clears throat> excuse me, I didn't mean to, I don't know if you guys heard that burp, but hang on. Excuse me, but um, I, I I've kind of been practicing the trait where I um, if I have a task, I try to get it done within that within that moment. Most people go, oh, let me hold on to this and I'll get back to it. I try my hardest to get it done within that moment that person gave it to me. So like at my job, if I had a task, um, I go, okay, I'm gonna get this done right now and I'm not gonna wait. Uh, there was an instance today where I had to like tell the person, I'm like, I'm a little bit busy. I'm a little bit swarmed with work. I'm going to have to do what I have to do right now and I'll get back to it, but I'll get back to you. Right. And I, I did that. I wrote myself a little note on a sticky pad, finished my task at work. And then I went in and hopped onto her thing and I, you know, worked on it with her. But, um, you know, sometimes you can't do it in th that exact moment, but I'm trying to get into the habit where I can get it to like 90% where urgency is key. And, I think that's what kind of screwed me in college too, because I kept telling myself, Oh, you're so young. You're so young. You're, you're 19. Like it's okay if you mess up here. And I wasn't really putting hundred percent of focus on the time factor. 
And so instead of a two-year degree, um, instead of going to college basically for two years and getting a two-year degree, I went to college for four years and got a two-year degree. So I wasted two years trying to get a two-year degree, right? And technically, I should have basically, if I went to school for four years, I should already have a bachelor's, right? So I wasted, I wasted time trying to get that two-year degree. Now, do I um, regret you know, doing it for four years? Not really, only for the fact that it kind of it taught me a lesson. Like it was a lesson learned. I'm like, okay, I got I to gotta get more pep in my step. I got to move faster. Like I'm not getting any younger. I'm getting older. Um, and most people argue like, oh, you're so young. You're 23. But, you know, the factor is if I use that mentality, I'm not going to get anything done, right? So you got to put urgency. You got to put deadline on things. Like um, the biggest factor that I learned working in, in corporations is people like, oh, um, not so much at this job I have right now because there's really not a lot of deadlines. It's more of like just fast pace. But at the job before this, we had projects. We'd go for meetings once a week and they'd be like, okay, this is going to be your task. You're going to work on their, like, for instance, I'll give you an example. Um, my manager would be like, Hey Tyler, you're going to, you're doing a very, very good job on data analytics. We just had our, uh, you know, like festival last week and we want you to pull the data from our social media platforms and put it together on a PowerPoint presentation and send it to me before we go and send it to the, uh, the appropriate department with that. And I'm like, okay. So I'd go and I'd do it and I'd be like, when do you want this due by? And she'd be like, all right, it's got to, it, you can't send it to me no later than, you know, a week. So it'd be like next Monday. Right. Um, and so I got into the habit of trying to complete them early because most people would, would stretch the week out. Uh, my other coworker, um, I'm going to give out a name because, uh, you know, I still, I still want to be friends with him, but <laughs> um, would kind of like always kind of miss the deadlines. He wasn't, he wasn't as organized as I was. And I knew like I had to hit these deadlines. Like, so I would go and I just focus all my attention on the one thing I'd kind of would, you know, if I had to eat lunch on my desk to get it done, I'd do it. Or if I had to skip something, I, I would do it. But I put urgency on things that I knew she really, really needed. And I go to her and be like, Hey, you kind of want me to do this, but I'm not done with this yet. Is this more important than that? So I'd have communication with my manager and I'd be like, and she'd be like, yeah, I want you to get that project I got um, that has to be due by tomorrow done today. And I'm like, all right, I got you. And I'd, you know, I'd get through it in like two hours, three hours. I'd just focus all my attention on it, get it done. And, um, and that, and that was cause I created urgency, right? I'm like, all right, I got to get this done. I got to get this done. I got to get this done. And I would get it done. And that's the urgency I created. Uh, you know, right now speaking, uh, urgency for me, I, like I said, I think it's about like 75%. I don't think I'm fully, um, you know, cause sometimes I, I do slack, right? Like it, I don't play as much video games. Um, right now I'm on like a month subscription of Netflix, which is probably a big mistake, but I told myself I could do it for a month and get it free and then cancel it. Cause um, I'm like, I'm not going to pay another dollar to Netflix. Uh, cause if I start paying for it, I'm going to basically tell myself that because I'm paying for it, I have to watch it or else I'm losing my money and I'd rather not pay for it and waste time um, and not, you know, not have it at my fingertips as easy, you know, like basically um, easily accessible, right? If I can't get on it, then it's out of sight, out of mind. And I won't be thinking about Netflix. I won't be thinking about, uh, you know, the next TV show I'm going to watch, right? So that's why I don't want to pay for it. But, you know, right now I've been slacking a little bit on it, but I, I don't watch more than probably an hour of it. Um, you know, before I'd probably watch like a whole day of it. I'd, I'd, I'd binge uh, episodes, but um, like last Sunday, I think, or 
yesterday I kind of watched a lot, but I'm not going to lie to you. I did watch, a, you know, I did watch a pretty good amount of episodes, but um, so urgency for me is kind of like a key element too. Uh, right now um, I'm trying to help, you know, I'm trying to help my, my, uh, my dad out because um, so sometimes with him with urgency and it, and it's not, it's not just him. It's most people don't have urgency, right? Um, most people kind of just like, Oh, like I have time to do this. I'm going to slack. A lot of us are procrastinators. Uh, I used to really procrastinate a lot in school, like high school, I would procrastinate and then it would be time to, uh, turn in the homework and I'd go and try to find, uh, one of my friends to go copy the homework really quick during lunch and try to get the, the 20 points for a homework assignment, right? Just for completing it. But, um, you know, I don't do that anymore. I don't really procrastinate. I kind of give myself deadlines. I, I, I try really hard to get that urgency built in, but, uh, I've been trying to, you know, I've been trying to, to help people too, that are, are older. Like my one friend has my, my one friend kind of has a problem where he doesn't put urgency on it. And then it gets to the last minute and he's like rushing. And, you know, I try to help him out and I try to tell him like, Hey man, you know, you can't procrastinate. You got to kind of like, do it now, do it now. And, you know, help push it off to the future. Cause most of us will tell ourselves like, Oh, one day I'll go and do this. Or, uh, the, the typical example I can give you too would be like college. Like I know so many people that took a year off of college and then, or they're like, Oh, like they, they went to college maybe for two terms and they're like, Oh, I, like, you know, I want to break. I've been going to school at, like for 12 plus years or 14 plus years. And I just want a year off and I'm going to come back and finish it. And they, they take the year off and then they never go back because um, they didn't put urgency on it. They basically just said, okay, I'm going to take this year off and not, and not come back to, and you know, in a year I'll come back, but then the year happens and they never had urgency to go back in a year. And they got so used to not going to school that they said, well, I don't want to go back to school now or they forgot. Well, I don't know if you can really forget on that, but they, they kind of probably just told themselves like, eh, I'll go next year. Right. They keep pushing it off to next year next year, next year, I'll go, I'll, I'll go back next year. Uh, you know, I'll go back next year. Right. So the urgency is not relevant, uh, in that, in that topic where they're not putting urgency on it and they don't, they don't feel there's, there's purpose to do it. So that was, uh, that was something that I realized, you know, I was watching this one motivational speech and they talk a lot about urgency and they're like, the key is that no one really has urgency. We drive slow. Uh, we, um, we don't hit our deadlines. Uh, we just, uh, you know, we're slackers, we're lazy. We don't want to hit the deadlines. We don't want to put in the work. And I realized that if I was going to be a business person, deadlines were going to be a big factor, right? Uh, if someone needs this work done by this date, I got to make the deadline. I can't tell, you know, I could tell the customer like, Hey, I, I couldn't make that. But you know, I don't want to tell the customer that it's not really good. It's not good business on my part. I want to hit the deadlines and commit to the, to the statements that I'm telling, you know, customers, my friends, my family. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes I, I, uh, mess up on that as well. And that's uh, another topic for another, you know, another podcast, but I don't know. I just did that, but, um, urgency is, is the key, right? Uh, you, you need it. There's no getting around it. There's no, you know, that, I think that's probably like the, one of the most important elements you could ever have as a human being is urgency. Um, I just, uh, I just recently, um, started helping my church a lot. Right. And I, I, I do ushering, which is like the, you help, you know, help people get the, um, communion, 
if uh, they're elderly and they, they, they're like in a wheelchair and they can't get up out of the, out of the, out of the chairs uh, and you get like another person that has the Eucharist or a Eucharist minister to come over and give them um, what we call the body of Christ. And which is um, it's communion. Basically it's the, the bread they normally give you. And then, you know, they tell you uh, the saying, but uh, the, the factor that I'm trying to put in here is uh, one day I was ushering and the person I used to altar serve for um, came up to me and she's like, Hey, we really need like another person to do the projector. And, you know, if, if you can, she's like, can you come in next Sunday and sit down with the person that does it? And that way, if we ever need a substitute, you can help out. Cause she's like, you're at church, you know, normally like 95% of the time. So she's like, you could just help out, fill in if we ever need it. And, you know, we have ushers, you know, or, or we'll find an usher if we ever need one and you have to do this. But uh, she's like, can you help out? And my instant reaction was like, yes, I'm your guy. I'm your man. I got you. When do you want me to show up? When do you want me to do this? I got it. Now, the reason I also did that too was uh, um, I wanted to create urgency. Um, there, there's two real factors. There's, there's three real factors I did this for. The first factor was I wanted to create uh, urgency to help uh, help my church, and it was an opportunity to help my church. More, you know, more. Uh, my saying is that um, most people do not volunteer at our church. I shouldn't say that most people don't volunteer in our church. The parish does do a lot of volunteering, like the parish itself with different elements, but a lot of them don't volunteer for the physical element of church itself, which is what I realize. Uh, a lot of them donate money. A lot of them go to, um, you know, after activities. Uh, some of them will help the, the parish in the sense of like fish fries and stuff like that. But what I notice is there's a lack of volunteering inside of like ushering like role roles that they need filled when mass is physically going and i think it's because most people don't want to be distracted they want to be involved in mass but what i've learned is the best way to be involved in mass was to do the to do the um the volunteering parts or the the parts at mass so like i said before i did um i did uh when i was younger i used to do altar serving which is you know you help the priest out in whatever way he needs and then I did weddings. So I'd help the priest and it would just be me and one priest. And we'd go and, and basically do math, mass together. And I'd go and help him out throughout the mass. Now, what ended up happening is later on, I got older and obviously, you know, I got work and I did different things and I couldn't, you know, I couldn't be an altar server anymore. So I got out of that. And then my mom was like, you know, you, you could still help the church out. You could just do ushering. And I'm like, you know, it's not a bad idea. You know, it's going to get me to meet more people within my parish, get me out of my comfort zone. I'm going to have to greet people, hand out uh, pamphlets, probably see the same person because most of the people that go there are regular, uh, regular churchgoers anyways, the same people that probably go there every single Sunday. And at the same time too, because um, everyone's comfortable at the time, you know, everyone's, it's all about comfort with people. So, you know, you're going to get the same people over and over. It'll help me expand networking wise. I know some people are like, oh, how are you going to network with churchgoers? You're not even working for your company. Um, it, it helps me get in front of more people, right? I'm constantly opening the door for for people and I'm going, hey, like, thanks for, you know, um, like it was Mother's Day or uh, Mother's Day the one time. I was like, hey, have a happy Mother's Day, right? And they see, and and by the way, no one my age works at my uh, my church and volunteers that. Uh, every, it's all older people, like, you know, probably like 50s and above. Uh, probably more than fit, you know, probably older than 50 majority of them. And um, so, you know, it's kind of cool that I'm like the, I'm like the only one volunteering there at age 23 uh, and I'm representing the youth. 
and I get a lot of compliments for that because they're like, you know, I don't, I don't see anyone that's, that's young doing this and that. And I'm just, you know, trying to help my church the best way I can. But um, that's also, you know, that's also getting out of my comfort zone as well, because I, you know, it's not, it's not, it, it's not, I'm not comfortable when I'm the only, only young person there and I'm handing out pamphlets and I'm like, Hey, have a great Sunday. Uh, but you know, I make it work and I try to do the best I can. I hold the door open for people. I, you know, I try to, I, and I'm getting, and I'm not getting paid for that by the way. And that's why a lot of people don't want to do it. I think that's why actually a lot of people my age don't want to do it is like, I'm not going to do that for free. Um, and no one's going to pay me. So why would I do that? And the mentality of it is kind of bad. But the second reason I did it too, by the way, the projector is I wanted to, um, have another skill on my belt because, um, I went over there and it's all like production equipment. They have this massive, cause you're, you're, you're next to basically, um, the music section and they have it all wired up. So it goes to the speakers. Like you're like, we're talking about like probably thousands of thousands of dollars of stuff. Um, and high quality equipment. Like the soundboard is like bigger than my whole entire desk, right? Of just the soundboard itself, connecting all the pianos, connecting the drums, connecting, uh, you know, viol- uh, there's sometimes a violinist that come and, and um, a, an orchestra or a string orchestra that comes and performs and they hook all that stuff up to the, to that, you know, the strings and um, the microphones and the projector and, you know, everything, all the elements link up into that one area. And, it, you know, it's a cool skill to have just to learn, um, you know, I'm not going to probably, you know, I'm not obviously going to touch or touch the, the, the music stuff, but I'm going to, I'm going to get to see him touch the music stuff, the actual person that runs it. And I'm going to be able to ask him questions because eventually I'm going to have to get a soundboard. Right. Eventually, like that's the ideal place to get a soundboard and be able to to put intro music on when I come on and and get it more um, interactive and to really put it into a, a podcast element where I have a theme song that comes in at the beginning and, um, you know, maybe put some uh, sponsors on here and be able to, you know, hit a switch and it it comes up and it shows the, the ads that are running through and, um, you know, different elements that I really want to get uh, the show to or, or really get it to that point. But, um, so that, and the third one too was, you know, I'm trying to get more involved in the community and I really want to help as many people as I possibly can. And the best way to do that is to start working for free, right? Uh, give more than, than, than you receive. And, and you know, that it, it and there's a couple of reasons I want to do that, by the way, too. The, the first one really is because it really does give you more of a sense of, uh, you know, self-worth. It builds a lot of confidence, because you're doing things out of the ordinary that the most average person probably does not want to do for free. And the other thing too, is it, it, it shows a lot of uh, potential, right? It shows people that you care. Uh, you know, a lot of people look at me and they're like, like, you know, like I told you like, Oh, you're so young and you're doing this. And it really shows that I'm committed because I'm doing different roles. You're seeing me over here on the projector. You're seeing me over here ushering. Uh, you see me very, very involved in, in the community. And, you know, that's what, that's what the church was built for. The, the church was built to bring communities together and basically give back to the world. And that's the, you know, that's the, the, the Christian uh, mentality is to uh, give back and not expect to receive. Uh, it's the best feeling in the world to just get, you know, get, um, get the, um, what's the word I'm trying to find here? To get the, the, um, the feeling of helping someone and not expecting something in return. 
And that person is so grateful that you're going to help them because, you know, a lot of people aren't going to do it. And, you know, that, and that's what I really aim to do. I really try to go out of my way to uh, get more involved in, in the community. And, and the best way to do that is with my church because it's, it's, it's already there. I'm already a part of the parish. I've been a part of that parish for, I don't know, maybe 20, 19 years. And it's just, you know, I know a lot of the people there. Um, and that's why people come to me and ask me if I want to volunteer or I want to do this because they, they know I want to, or, or I probably will do it. And that's why, um, you know, and that's, it, it's always the best place to start. Cause I, I, you know, that people are gonna, you know, try to try to use you into different positions and, and help other people. So that's why I did that. But, uh, so urgency is definitely the key. You want to try to, you know, go as quick as you possibly can, uh, and try to find out ways that create urgency in your life because, um, you know, so I, I slack at it too, right? Like I said, 75% pretty good. Uh, like I give myself probably like a C plus on urgency, but you know, it's something that I'm definitely going to work on. I'll update you guys as I, uh, you know, progress through the urgency, but, uh, so that's urgency. Now we're going to go into the second topic. I'm going to try to go a little bit quicker on this one because we're kind of low on time, but responsibility creates the real you. Now, the reason I created, uh, this one responsibilities create the real you is because I, um, you know, I didn't really start finding myself until I started uh, getting some responsibility in my life. And uh, there's going to be an example I'm going to give you with my with my one friend Costa, which I realized, you know, it, it doesn't matter how old you are or what age you are, uh, responsibilities shape us. Even a lot of Americans complain about how they have too much responsibility. They wish they could be a kid. I wish I could do this, you know, go back to being a kid with no responsibilities and, and, you know, whatsoever. Um, and I tell everyone a different input from me. Uh, when people tell me that they don't like being a free individual with responsibilities and, oh, I hate being an adult. I tell them the complete opposite, right? Um, I agree with them in the sense that, you know, sometimes it is easier to think, you know, back at a time where I was young, my parents were just responsible for me and I didn't have a job, didn't have a lot of bills. Um, but it, it's also a blessing in disguise when you get older and you get more responsibilities. Cause think about it logically responsibilities, right? Responsibilities create, uh, you know, you get more pride in things when you have more responsibilities like bills. Like when I got a car, I was, you know, I went to high school. I didn't have a car. I was riding the bus. And then my grandparents uh, ended up giving me and my sister a car and had to pay car insurance. And um, I didn't have a car payment, but I had car insurance and a little, like little minor bills here and there. But it gave me some pride because I'm like, okay, uh, I'm starting to become an adult. I'm starting to, to, to see the bigger picture here. I learned about taxes, which is kind of an ironic uh, thing because um, their one nephew uh, my friend's nephew doesn't work. And when his dad, uh, the, the father that was talking about Greece, the history and stuff, he was talking about tax and how they have a flat tax rate over in Greece. And in the United States, you're taxed in every, every which way and, and what, uh, up, down, sideways. And um, he was talking about this flat tax system they have in Greece. And um, my, uh, the, their niece, basically, or nephew couldn't, couldn't really understand what he was talking about because he he hasn't worked before yet he's never had a job yet and has never paid taxes so he didn't really understand what he was saying and his his uh grandfather was basically just like he's like you'll understand when you get a job and you start paying taxes right away 
and I'm just, and I just laughed and I'm like, I'm like, I, I know you don't understand what he's saying, but I'm like, it's, it's 110% true. You're going to understand that once you get the job and you get the, these responsibilities, you're going to see that the government's going to take a lot of your money. And you're going to be like, what the hell, man? I worked so hard for the cash and like a quarter of my, my money that I, my hard earned money goes to the government. And that's when, you know, you're going to, re- you're going to realize what he's saying, but, uh, or if you start buying, you know, you have a car payment, you know, anything that's related where there's tax, you're going to see tax everywhere, right? When you start becoming an adult, you have money in your bank account and you start spending, you're going to start seeing that everything is taxed. Um, everything you go and purchase milk, you go buy a car. You go and everything's taxed a little bit differently, right? So, you know, your paycheck is right before you get it is taxed. So, um, you know, that's what you're going to see now. With the responsibilities, the reason I kind of came up with this topic was uh, a lot of, like I said, a lot of people complain about the responsibilities of adulthood. And I tell them, I'm like, you know, I don't regret it. It makes me, it makes me the person I am. There's so many different elements or stories I could give you where I had responsibility, where it shaped me into the person you see today. And I don't, I don't regret any of the responsibilities I have. Even, even right now, I don't regret any responsibilities. Uh, you know, I had, you know, I've been in, I'm still kind of working on some, some debt, you know, I'm getting pretty close to getting out of the rabbit hole of debt, but, um, you know, for a while I was paying this hospital bill and, um, you know, off of a stupid mistake I did and it, and it held me responsible for the mistake I did. And I learned, and I'm like, all right, I'm not going to do that again. Really stupid on my part. Um, and I messed up my elbow doing something stupid and I got this, uh, you know, $1,500 hospital bill that I was trying to pay off and do like, I was basically for a long time doing like a hundred dollars a month for a $1,500 a hospital bill. And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't really making too much progress on it. I was making little itsy bitsy progress on it cause they didn't charge interest. Right. It's one of the few things they don't charge you interest on. And I, um, you know, I got it down to a certain point and then eventually I freed some of my other debt because I was going through some other stuff like some credit card debt. And I'm like, you know, I freed that up and I'm like, okay, now I can put $200 down. And I, you know, I ended up clearing it. I recently just finished that debt uh, about a month ago. It wasn't too long ago where I finished it, but I was paying that hospital bill, that $1,500 hospital bill, I would probably say for at least like eight or nine months, almost like a year. Uh, maybe it probably was a year to be honest with you. I just, I just don't realize it because that's how much time has passed. But the point that I wanted to make was that responsibility of paying that $1,500 debt that I wasn't anticipating on doing. And it was just $1,500 I probably didn't have, right. Or I didn't have because I was paying it, obviously paying it down in payments that I worked out with the, with the hospital. But um, the, the factor is that it made me a better human being by paying that responsibility back or that debt of responsibility. And there's other things I'm going to give you too. But uh, one of the other things that I, I wanted to do uh, was my one friend and I was sitting down with him because when I went to Orlando on that business trip, my uh, my friend was texting me and my friend was basically talking about how, uh, you know, it kind of feels depressed. It's kind of something I wrote down too. I wanted to talk about maybe towards the end, but um you know, he's kind of, he, he was in a slump for a couple of days, I'd say maybe three or four days. And he was kind of really, really depressed. Didn't want to go outside. Didn't want to do anything. And if you know the person I'm talking about, like he's more energetic than I am. Like half the time he's like, Hey, let's go do this. And I'm just like, Oh yeah. I'm like, perfect, man. Let's go do that. And I'll say something. I'll be like, that's perfect. Yo, let's go do that. Or I'll do one better. And he'll up, he'll like kind of updo it or whatever. But he um was really like depressed for the last like four days. And I was trying to talk to him and I was trying to figure it out. 
uh, what was going on. And I came to the conclusion that when I was talking to him and he's like, you know, I work for three months straight, like nonstop. And I get onto a routine and he's like, then I come home for like, you know, this last month. And he's like, I don't do anything but eat, sleep. Um, I'm kind of basically not doing anything because he's like, I'm not working for a whole month or, you know, three weeks when he comes down and then goes back on a job. And I said, you know, that's what it probably is. And I said, that was my problem. And I try to tell people that too, like, um, work gives you purpose and most people complain about work, but the reality is that if you didn't have work, right, if you had, if you had no work, you'd be so miserable. You'd be so bored. I mean, there's only so much Netflix you can watch so much video games you can play, uh, so much time to go to the gym. There's so much time where like, eventually you're going to get bored and you're probably not going to, you're, you're going to be like, there's no purpose being given to you. Like playing video games does not give you a purpose. Uh, you know, watching Netflix does not give you a purpose, uh, different elements that don't give you purpose. And that's what was happening to him where he was like, he was watching a lot of YouTube videos when he came back. And I'm like, it's because you're not, you're not being productive and you're not being true to yourself. And so you're kind of beating yourself up because um, you're so used to being on a routine and, you, and you're and you're happy when you're productive. And he's like, yeah, he's like, he's like, yeah, it's probably what it is. He's like, it makes a lot of sense what you're saying, because he's like, as soon as I go to work and I work for three months or four months, he's like, I'm the happiest person ever. He's like, I'm up at six in the morning or five thirty in the morning, ready to go. He's like, but when I'm down here, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to do anything. He's like, I just want to eat. I just want to sleep. I don't really want to do anything. I want to watch videos. I, like I'm lazy down here. And I'm like, yeah, that's what it is. And I was like, that's what happened to me. I was like, uh, what basically happened was, you know, when I went through my, uh, like my bad breakup with, uh, with, with, uh, the girl that got into an arranged marriage, I was like, I, I kind of was already at, at that depressed stage and I wasn't keeping myself busy. So I would just come home, watch TV or just do whatever. And it would cause more depression or it would cause more anxiety. It would cause more uh, issues mentally with myself because I wasn't productive. And it was just, I was just thinking about things, thinking about things, logically thinking about things, thinking, thinking, thinking. And I'm like, that's what killed me. Uh, you know, emotionally was I was constantly thinking about different scenarios, uh, different issues I could have done to fix it, you know, just different elements in that relationship that, you know, got out of hand. And I wasn't keeping myself busy and focused on something else. And I was, and, you know, I realized that, you know, that's how I have more energy at, at, the, at this job than most people. And I don't kind of quit. I kind of push myself to get the job done is I have more, I have more ambition because I, it's my purpose to go to that job and, and get that and get that done, get that work done and help the customer, help the service provider, help, help the company in general. Um, that's, that's my purpose right now right? For my goals and, and my energy and my ambitions. It's my, my, um, my purpose right now. And, you know, when I have too many days off, like I went on that business trip and I kind of felt crappy when I came home, um, that Wednesday because I had to go to work and I kind of felt out of my element. I didn't really feel like going to work because for three days I wasn't working. Right. Or I worked on the, the Monday, but you know, for a whole two days, basically I wasn't really working. And then the night before I was probably partying. So my, my, my point is, um, my point is that, you know, work kind of gives you purpose and responsibility gives you purpose. And there's different elements that most people complain about with responsibilities, but it, it gives you purpose. Right. And that's something that I, that I've learned is, uh, I've, ne I, 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 I don't want to say never, cause I'm sure I've complained once in my life that I probably can't really recollect, 
but um and sometimes i do kind of complain but for the most part I, I don't complain i never complain about working with someone i never complain that this person effed me over i never complain that um you know i have too much responsibility or i have too less responsibility i, I really don't complain the times that i kind of complain is when um i feel like I'm, I'm i'm pushing myself to an extreme and I'm doing so well, right? I feel like I'm doing so, so, so good. And then all of a sudden my manager will be like, I don't think you can handle this. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, I've done X, Y, and Z for you. That's like five times, <laughs> five times harder than what you're trying to give me. And like, you're telling me I can't, you're the one telling me I can't do it. Right. And that's where I kind of get, you know, I kind of, I kind of get frustrated, but, um, because I know I can do it. I know I cannot work everyone that's in that department by far. Right. Or that's my mentality, at least. Maybe I can't, not, maybe not every single person in that department, but uh, you know, the mentality that I have, I'm pretty sure I can. Right? I'm pretty confident in myself that I can at least compete or be pretty damn close to it, um, or beat them. Right? Pretty sure I can beat them. But, anyways, um, it's not a, it's not a competition, but you know what I'm trying to get at. But responsibility is is the key factor. But that's what I told him. I was like, it's because you don't really have uh, responsibility right now. You're kind of just bumming it almost, and. Um, the the responsibilities of work and stuff give you purpose. And I learned that off of a motivational speech one time. I think it was Tony Robbins that kind of um, kind of did that. Also, I, I saw this one speech one time with Grant Cardone where he was, uh, he was talking about how people, uh, you know, they try to get to 65 and they try to retire. And he's like, I don't understand. He's like, what are you going to do when you're 65 and you're tired? You're going to go buy yourself a lazy boy, just sit around, play some golf, drink some beers. And he's like, what else is there? He's like, the reason, you know, you're living is not to go get a lazy boy, sit on your ass, uh, drink beer and play golf all day. That's not, it's not anyone's purpose. If you think that's your purpose, then you're, you're very misguided or lost because it's not going to give you purpose. You're not going to feel too, too impressed with yourself after a couple of months or a year. Uh, you're going to, you're going to be, you're going to feel pretty shitty about yourself because you're not doing anything. You're not producing, you're not being productive. And that's what he says. A lot of people are very like sold on this idea of retiring, but the retirement is not what most people understand it really is. Like they're, they're sold on the idea of, of getting paid by the government and not working because they've worked most of their lives and, um, and, and so on and so on. But what most people don't put together is that's what builds your purpose. That's what gets you flowing. That's what gets the blood flowing inside of you. That's what wakes you up in the morning. Uh, you know, that's, that's what, you know, keeps you, you know, positive and upbeat is work. It's, it's having a purpose. It's having something to do that's going to give you, you know, meaning. And it's what most people don't think about. And that's why when everyone tells me that, cause I'm telling you 90% of the people that I talk to, or they complain about work, especially in my department right now, but uh, they complain about work and they're like, I don't want to go to work and I don't want to do this. And I wish I could just be wealthy and win the lotto and retire and you know, even if you won the lotto, even if I won the lotto, I'm telling you, I, I would not, I might quit the job that I'm at right now, but I definitely would not quit working. Like I'm way too young to even consider quitting working by the way. And I know that if I don't work and keep producing income, eventually that money dries out. Then that's everyone's problem. It's every lotto, uh, lotto winner's problem is they end up running out of cash because they don't really invest it or, and, and they don't keep producing income. Um, so that's, you know, that's what happens. But anyways, um, so that's responsibilities. Um, I'm going to probably wrap it up on that note and then do done deal investments just because we're kind of, you know, almost at a, an hour or hour and 20 minutes. So um, 
Yeah, so that's responsibilities create the real you. Now, I'm going to go and talk about my company, and then we'll wrap this up. So for anyone that doesn't know, my name is Tyler Dunn. I own a company called Dunn Deal Investments, LLC, where the deal is already done. And that uh, that business is designed to take a distressed seller or any type of seller um, that wants to just sell their, their property fast for a quick cash offer. And how we do this is with an investor. So we take the seller and we take the investor and put them together on the deal. That's why it's called where the deal is already done um, or that slogan where the deal is already done is because um, we're creating deals uh, from an investor and a seller and putting them together on a deal. That's really what this business is really, really designed to do right now at this particular moment. And how this works is um, it's a three-step process that I call the three steps to financial freedom. Uh, before I go into the three steps, I'm going to tell you who it mainly will work for and for like what, you know, what target audience would actually probably use this type of service uh, over most people, right? So the big one is pre-foreclosure, which is um, I did a statistic on Facebook on my uh, on Dundee Investments Facebook page where um, it shows you the demographic in Florida of like uh, foreclosed homes, the percentages, pre-foreclosures, and then uh, I think it's, and then I think it's uh, like a, uh, like owned by, you know, like a, a, like a person, like a property owner, not the bank, just like a regular property owner. But the percentage is pretty high on foreclosures. And then the other percentage that's pretty high is pre-foreclosure. Now, what pre-foreclosure is, is it's just basically, uh, most of the time, sometimes people go into a mortgage with the bank. It's mostly when you get a mortgage through a bank and they, they're kind of, they can't really afford the payments. So they're behind on the mortgage. And once they get to a certain position where they're too far behind, the bank will repossess the property and the, the owner or the seller, not really the owner, the bank owns it, but the seller will lose all the money tied into that property that they spent with the bank and they'll basically lose the property and all the, all the, you know, all the, um, damn, I can't think of the word, all of the, um, equity inside of that home. Now that's one. The second one would be for like, if you got a job transfer, which is kind of common too, where, you know, maybe you got a better, you're, you're constantly looking for opportunity and you just so happen to find opportunity in another state, another area, maybe within that state or another country, you know, whatever the case is. And you have to move really, really fast on that. It, sometimes it's not the best idea to try to sell your property with a real estate agent because it's very time consuming and lengthy. So the best option would be to do done deal investments and we would help you out, try to get that property sold extremely fast, right? Uh, with investors that would already want to buy it for cash. Now, the third one would be um, if you inherited a home. So like, you know, one of your loved ones passed away and you're, and you're stuck with the property and you're kind of like, you know, I don't want a second home. I don't want to rent it out. I don't really want to do anything. I just want to get rid of it and make the, make the cash profit off of it from the equity. We could also help you with that. Most of the time too, it's kind of hard with those properties uh, for real estate agents because there's a lot of work intended because sometimes, you know, you're dealing with people that are older, you know, you know probably like in the seventies, eighties and above. And, uh, you know, they're not really thinking about like taking care of the home. Um, sometimes the homes aren't really well kept uh, because they're not really like taking care of the home or they're not really thinking about the future of that home. They're just thinking about, okay, I just got to live in this home and, you know, eventually I'm going to, you know, eventually pass away or whatever. But, um, and, and that state of mind, that's another one, right? So, uh, if you inherited a property, you just want to get rid of it. Messy divorces where you're just, you know, you don't want to drag out the sale and you just want to quickly, 
uh, sell the property, split the earnings between the two of you, um, and you want to move on, right? Done deal investments can help you that way. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else, uh, the other ones that, that I can do. Um, uh, maybe you know a bank. Maybe you, you have someone that works at a bank, a friend, or maybe a business partner that owns a bank, and they have a lot of foreclosures, which they're just trying to get rid of. They're, they're losing money on the asset, and they just want to basically get get rid of it right? They, they want to get rid of it as fast as they can. It's losing money as they hold it every single month and they're paying and, um, well, they're probably not paying on it, but you know, they're paying maintenance and stuff on it to keep the property well kept. Uh, I have a property over here where, uh, the person hasn't been living in it for months. And I, I assume that the bank owns it only for the fact that they have a landscaper that comes once in a while and they just, they cut the grass, but the grass gets really overgrown over here. But uh, someone's paying for that landscaper to come over here and cut the grass, right? So it's probably, the bank probably owns it. Um, so depending on what bank and, you know, if it's a larger, if it's like a corporate bank where it's very, very large, like Bank of America, Wells Fargo, anyone that's very, very large, they have the capacity to hold it longer than a smaller bank, a smaller bank, like a credit union, um, you know, like a Bright Star Credit Union or any other credit union where they're very, very small banks or not massive uh, corporation type banks. They tend to to lose money on it, and they want to. They just want to get rid of it. So that's something that we can help uh, help out with. If you know anyone that you know maybe works with a bank and they just want to get rid of their foreclosures, their foreclosed properties, uh, we could definitely help out. Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, uh, let's say you know you have too much maintenance on your property, and you're like, all right, I'm not going to get a lot of money for this property. Um, and I'd rather, you know, probably just go through an investor and sell it quick. So I don't have to drag out the process with a real estate agent. Cause there's a lot of things that need, you know, need worked on, um, on that property. Done deal investments can help you that way. Uh, maybe you just don't like dealing with real estate agents, right? The, the real estate agent market is very, very saturated with real estate agents, not hard to find a real estate agent, but, um, you know, there's a lot of bad ones out there, but at the same time too, you know, they charge high commission fees. Uh, you're probably gonna have to wait longer with them. Um, to, you know, a typical sale, if it's in really good condition and the market's right, you're probably looking at probably, I don't know, like maybe like three, uh, may, may, you could possibly do it in three weeks, but you're probably more looking at like four weeks to like a month and a half, right. Or maybe longer, just depending on your area, the, you know, the, the, the quality of your property, like the condition it's in and stuff. But, uh, and the commission is what a lot of people kind of, kind of hate paying is they charge a lot of high commission fees, uh, real estate agents because they have to pay a bunch of different people. They have to pay the broker. They have to pay different people. So uh, with Dundee Investments, the cool part is there's no um, there's no commission fee. The investor pays Dundee Investments. So you don't have to worry about paying anyone. You just you just work with us on the deal um, and making sure that everything's good on uh, like for you, the seller. And then um, all the money and everything gets handled through the investor and Dundee Investments. So, you know, like we'll, we'll make sure you get the cash offer. And then at the same time, I'll, me personally, Tyler with Dundee Investments will work with that investor to get them to pay Dundee Investments LLC. So that's the cool thing is you're not paying commission for Dundee Investments. Uh, the, and money's coming from the investor, which is pretty cool. Now, I'm pretty sure those are all like the best ones I can give you, but um, I can't think of really anything else that's kind of hitting my mind. So we're going to move on. So like I said, so how this works is it's the three steps to financial freedom. The first step is you have to contact Dundee Investments in some way, shape, or form. Very, very easy to get a hold of me. 
um, through social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can hit me up on personal, um, you know, personal social media, which I'll probably just direct you to one of the business platforms or, you know, to call me or send me an email. But uh, we have our email address on on Facebook right now to the to the right, or it might be to your left, but pretty sure it's on, I'm, I'm almost positive it's on your right. Um, but we have our website up there. We have my phone number. We have our email address and we have the social media link. So there, there's plenty of ways to contact us. Now, the, the other thing too is um, I do prefer a phone call just because it's easier. I'm going to ask you some very, very basic questions on the, you know, the condition of the property and then also the, the situation that you're trying to get out of. So that way I have a better understanding of how to help you better. So, you know, it might be a little bit different if you have, oh, that's the other thing, by the way, is liens. If you have any liens in your property, with, which uh, the city will issue for any reason, and they'll accumulate a lot of interest every single day you don't pay them or communicate with the city. And sometimes people just don't see it, don't get to it. And then weeks and months go by and they owe thousands upon thousands of dollars that they don't have. So that's another thing that we could do is uh, help you with liens on your property. Now, uh, the point I was going to make is I'm going to ask you some very, very basic questions. The phone is just the easiest way to get through the questions. Uh, you know, it, it's just an e to me, it's easier. I get a personal interaction with you where you get to meet me almost face to face. It's, it's pretty, it's as close as you possibly can get face to face at that point. Um, and just, you know, be able to communicate a lot better get your questions answered faster. It's just faster. I, I, I personally think. And, um, but you know, whatever, whichever way you feel comfortable reaching out to Dundee investments, you do that and I'll adapt to you. I'll, I'll work it out. So, uh, that's the first step. Contact us. We ask you some very, very basic questions on the property and the condition that you're trying to, you know, try to get out of. And then, um, from there we go into step two. So step two is once I get, you know, we ask you the questions, we get on the same page. Then I have to set up an appointment with you to go to your property, take five pictures inside and five pictures outside. Um, and I'm going to walk the property and just see like what kind of maintenance the investor would have to, the expense of the investor would have to take on. So if you have broken windows, you have molds, you have, um, you know, roof damage, you have, you know, any type of element where it's a cost for the investor where he's going to have to replace it, fix it. I have to write down to give him an estimate of how much that property is going to take to put it into mint condition. Now, uh, the reason for the pictures and obviously the reason for the estimate, uh, you know, how much money it's going to take to put it into mint condition is because when I go to find you an investor to put on the deal, I want all this information accessible to the investor where I can just send it to him. I don't want to have like 20 or 30 different people that I'm trying to communicate with uh, to get them on the deal. And, um, and we have all this foot traffic or all these people trying to look at the property. I can just send them the pictures and send them the estimate and be like, Hey, you know, everything's easily accessible online nowadays. So that's what I want to do is, is make it more accessible to the investor to, to go online and get all this information. So from that note, um, now we go into kind of step three, it's a, it's a little bit step two and step three, but it's, you know, I consider it more step three. So from this point is once I get that, I go and find you an investor. I then have to go and um, run some numbers, run run what I call comps, running comps in your neighborhood, where I get an average price from three houses that I've sold in your neighborhood, the most recent houses that, you know, I try to match it as best I possibly can. Sometimes you can't match exactly the same square footage. Every house is kind of different depending on the, on the, on the physical neighborhood. So I get that average price and all I do is deduct the average price on the market for your property 
and deduct it from the investor's cost. And then that's the price we negotiate on after I deduct all the, um, all the cost of that, uh, that, that, that investors basically going to have to, to basically pay for. And then from there, we just agree, we negotiate. So me and the seller, if it is you or if it's your friend or family relative, whoever it is, would have to negotiate with me on that price. Once we come to that agreement on the price and you tell me your terms, like, hey, I got to live in this house for another three weeks. Um, I really don't want to sell the property, but I just want to get out of like these financial conditions. I also have another way, which uh, someone that I I, uh, I, I work at, um, I don't really work there. It's more of a, a club, but uh, for, for speeches, which is called Toastmasters. One of the persons that I work with has a, uh, a person that does... Um, it does it where like you don't have to sell the property exactly you and you can still live in that property. So even if you didn't want to sell your property and you still wanted some type of way to still live in that property for a while, I still have another resource for that as well. Um, but we would have to come to the terms, the price, you know, all that stuff as well. And once we do that, I then can go into, um, you know, talking to the investor and be like, all right, here's the price that, that they're agreeing upon here's the terms that they need to be able to move on to the next property. Or if they're going to, you know, if you're going to stay in that property, whatever, whatever, you know, you need, basically I got to try to get that investor on the same page. And then from there, we all sign the contract. Seller signs the contract. I sign the contract and the investor will sign the contract. Now from here, um, every party will win. Give me one sec. Every party will win. And this is how the seller will obviously get out of the financial condition. And um, if it's something like a, if they're going into pre foreclosure or something where they're going to lose the property or liens on the property and they're, they're getting threatened that they're going to lose it or behind on back taxes, another one that I can help you out on back taxes um, or property tax, you're behind on it. You, um, I help that we help that seller basically by not destroying his credit, right? Cause we're saving him from that repossession of that house or, um, or that property. And the other thing too, is they're going to be able to have cash to go and buy something they can afford that they physically can afford now. Now the um, investor is obviously going to try to flip it and he's going to make a profit on it by selling it on the market for full market value. Done deal investments will win because we'll collect a finder's fee or commission fee from the investor. And that's how we make a profit and we keep on going and helping the next person and and keep on building our, our resources and and whatnot. Now, my uh real quick i'm gonna go over the visions of what i want to do and then we're gonna wrap this up so i um i want to get this company to a point where i can put different resources on for investors as well as sellers um and people that really need financial help right so i want to add financing i want to add home inspections i want to add real estate agents i want to add um oh, i can't think of the other uh the other element but different elements where it it really takes a lot of energy to go in and get these resources for that homeowner or that investor, right? And have it all in a one-stop shop area where it helps everyone at the same time. It's, um, it's helping the community. It's helping the, the, the buying process for buying a property faster because normally what happens is these are, these are trades that are kind of tied in the same industry, but at the same time, they're kind of different markets. So what you normally see is a home inspector normally just specializes in home inspection. A real estate agent just specializes in real estate uh, or being a real estate agent. Um, 
finance, you know, a mortgage broker or a financer, a finance department will kind of just stick to that and work with banks and mortgages and all that and the financing part. But they don't really work so much hand in hand as one unit. And that's kind of what I wanted to do in the sense is make it a easier process because what normally happens is, you know, you go through a real estate agent to find you the property and I got to go to another company and work with that company for home inspection. I got to go and work with another company for financing and get a mortgage, work with a bank, right? It's a whole other company you have to work with. So the process of buying a home is very, very slow. And at the same time, it's very difficult because there's a lot of information. A lot of people um, are not that experienced in home buying. So I want to make it a lot simpler. I want to make it easy to buy properties. I want to make it more, um, you know, less stressful basically and make the buying process shorter. And that'd be kind of cool too. That's what I've been kind of thinking about for a while. Just adding different things I'm working on right now, adding home inspections. It's probably going to take a lot longer than I think, but you know, for this year that I'm taking off of school, I'm trying to go and get licenses and go through programs and training for different elements, uh, figuring out what licenses, uh, licensing I need and different permits and insurance and all that stuff. Cause I'm sure I'm going to need insurance. I'm going to need different, uh, different stuff to add that element onto my business. So what, um, what I'm thinking about doing is, uh, you know, taking this, taking some of these courses online, get the, get the feel of how to do a home inspection. And there's so many different inspections, by the way, like, the one, the one, um, the one training thing that I'm trying to do right now has, I think over 64 or maybe a little bit less than that, like different courses or, or different, um, inspections that you can learn how to do like garage door opener inspection, um, a Porsche, uh, not Porsche porch, like wooden porch, um, inspection, roof inspector, like a bunch of different elements, right. That are in a, uh, in a home AC inspector. So I want to add a bunch of those elements and start doing like full reports for people. So once I get that up and running, I'm definitely going to let you guys know. And then I'm going to start doing some free home inspections once that gets up and running. I don't have a time frame. I was saying before four months, I really don't think it's going to be four months. Uh, it's going to probably be a lot longer than that, but um, I'm working, you know, I'm going to start working hard on that. Uh, trying to get the courses done, trying to get, you know, figure out what I need. And then from there, you know, it's uh, it, you know, we'll work it out. But um, that's my, my vision for Dundeal Investments LLC. But, you know, if I have any questions, definitely reach out to me on any of the, any of the, um, you know, website, email, a any questions you have, just send them to me and I'll do my best to get to them as fast as I possibly can. If you're calling, please leave me a, a message. I might not answer it because I do work a full-time job right now and I can't use my phone on the floor. So I only have like two 15 minute breaks and then a 30 minute lunch. So if I do end up reaching back out to you, it's probably going to be like after six 30 or, you know, in the morning at like eight or seven or, um, you know, somewhere around there, like seven or eight. But, uh, you know, there's a couple, there's two days, Tuesdays I'm off, which Tuesdays would be the best time to call me. And Sunday would probably be the best time to call me because I just play golf in the morning, go to church. And then I'm basically pretty much normally free in the afternoons. So I just get my Sundays going strong and then I, I try to work. But um, those are probably the best times to call is Tuesdays and Sundays. But if you have to call me any other time than that, just leave me a voicemail and I'll get back to you as fast as I possibly can. Um, I'm trying to think. But yeah, any questions, you know, anyone, you know, family member, friend, uh, anyone that really needs help, because that's really what this business right now is designed to really do is to help 
uh, you know, any distress sellers, anyone that financially needs assistance, anyone that is basically being threatened that their house is going to be repossessed. Um, yeah, anyone that's basically really needs help with their property financially is what this uh, company is really designed to do right now is to help those people and, you know, help them get out of those situations and be able to go get another property. So for anyone, you know, anyone that you know that needs help, just refer them to Dundee Investments and you'll find us at, at pretty much everywhere you'll find us. So, uh, all right, so I'm going to wrap this up. So this has been episode 89 of Goals and Updates. Appreciate anyone that came out here. We're going to try to do one tomorrow. I'm going to say probably close to 4 or 4.30 and try to get that done. Uh, if not, I'll see you Wednesday at 7 p.m. And we'll be on episode 90, which is pretty, you know, pretty exciting for me because it means I'm 10 episodes away from 100th, uh, the 100th episode, which is crazy. And I think that's basically it. That's all the announcements I have. Um, I appreciate, you know, everyone that comes out here and supports me. And, and you know, thanks. Uh, send me anything that you have, anything on the show, anything for Dundee Investments, anything that you pretty much uh, would have questions on or just want to talk to me. Maybe you want to be featured on the show and come on here and just, you know, talk about different, different things. I'm definitely a hundred percent game for that. So reach out to me. This has been episode 89 of goals and updates. My name is Tyler Dunn with Dunn deal investments, LLC, where the deal is already done. Peace.